You are listening to Sales As I Know It. I'm your host, Kiefer Bartell. Thank you so much for listening today. This is a show connecting amazing people, sharing their story of what it was like to be new in a career in sales, and advice on how to succeed in your career. Let's get started. Thing to introduce yourself as well. Sure. Uh, Chad Cunningham. I live uh, right outside Nashville in Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, quick backstory on my history. I kind of grew up in the business. My dad had a used car lot. Um, you know, he had 30, 40 cars at a time, probably average price point 10, 10, 12 grand, I guess. Um, and, uh, that's kind of how I started, uh, you know, started working for him and, you know, washing cars, then had a little detail shop, uh, you know, then started doing some sales and, you know, kind of their, his version of kind of finance sales manager, I guess. I mean, those small watch, you kind of do everything. So, yeah. um, you know, it was kind of like he just kind of took the deal all the way through. Um, you know, I guess the best example I give everybody to kind of how it, you know, is what I did was when I was 14, I got a hardship so I could drive for his dealership. And uh, in the summer, my sister was a big softball player. He would travel to softball tournaments and he would just leave me to run the store. So, and, uh, you know, I thought that was like totally normal. Like it wasn't like, anything, you know, <laughs> now in retrospect, it seems a little crazy, but at the time, uh, it didn't, you know, it was fine. So, um, I worked for him all through high school, you know, went to school, um, went to college. Um, my mom was not excited about me joining the car business. Sure. So, uh, you know, they kind of tried to push me a different direction. So I went to college, graduated from uh, University of Kentucky. Um, when I was in college, I would come back and work in the summers. Um, right about the time I went to school, he had an offer from a guy in town to sell his dealership, and it was a good offer, so he did. Um, so then when I came back in the summer, I was working for a Chrysler Jeep Dodge store in town, which was my first, you know, kind of big retail box experience. Um, so I worked there all through college. Realized pretty quick through college I was going to stay in the car business. You know, gave my parents the bad news. You know, this is what I'm good at. This is what I know. <laughs> like, I'll still finish school. Um, but, you know, I do intend to stay in the car business. So, um, by then, they were kind of okay with it. It was fine. Um, so, uh, finished up school, came back and worked for the Chrysler store full time. Um, did about everything. I got really fortunate. Um, I worked for a guy that you know, really let me do a lot of things. I was kind of hand up guy. I came in and doing sales and I was kind of like a floor manager, you know, and every time something opened up, I was just kind of like, Hey, I can do that. Um, so I got to be a desk manager, be a finance manager. I worked in service a little while, um, didn't much like parts and service, but I at least kind of learned how it worked. Um, came back up front, really preferred being in the front of the store, not in finance. So, Went back to the desk, uh, got to be a used car manager, then a new car manager, then a GSM. Um, then he moved uh, his Dodge store up there at the Chrysler store. So eventually had Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. We had a Suzu at one point. I don't remember what all was up there. But, um, <laughs> you know, eventually got to be GM of the store. Um, and I was pretty young then. I was trying to think of it just, just the other day. I guess that was, I was uh, let's see. Probably 24, I guess, maybe, like around there, 24, 25. Um, but um, I got recruited from a local Toyota store in town that was like 
the big store in town. Um, they had a big spot right downtown. Sold, you know, a couple hundred new Toyotas a month. It was like the biggest store in town. Um, so ran through the interview process, got the job, um, went over there. They had like different names, but it was essentially like the GM of the Toyota store was kind of the role. Sure. Um, it was a big store. I mean, we did three to 400 plus new Toyotas a month. Um, it was awesome. It was great. It was fun. I learned a ton. Um, the hours were absolutely bananas, even for the retail business. Um, you know, it was downtown, so you kind of deal with traffic in the morning too, but we would usually get there, you know, if you were early in, you were there at eight o'clock and, um, it was the latest store I've ever really been associated with or even about halfway heard of. I mean, we were there because it was downtown. All the traffic came late after traffic. So sure. I mean, we were there most nights till 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Uh, it really wasn't that out of ordinary at all to be there, you know, midnight-ish. And uh, it was just a lot of hours. It was a lot of time. Um, kind of got a little older, kind of got to thinking, nah, you know, might want to have some kids, might want to do some things. Um, you know, the schedule is kind of tough. Like, I don't know, you know, um, about that same time, the store actually made some decisions to be open on Sundays, which was even more hours than we were doing right. at the time. Um, and kind of, that was a big thing for me. I never really worked Sundays. That was kind of like the one day I kind of wanted off. So, um, we just kind of made the decision, you know, I left, I didn't really have anything planned, but I was like, I got to, you know got to be able to find something where I don't have to work seven days a week, you know. And the bad thing in that store, too, was, you know, they kind of brought me in to maybe, you know, do, like, another position in the store. And uh, that guy worked more than I did. So it was kind of like, well, it's not like there's, like, I can hang in here and get to the next level. Like, it's, you know, that seems like it's almost as bad as this deal. So um, kind of, you know, took a week off, I guess. Went and hung out with my dad. Like, we went to the auction one day. Um, that's why I ran to Steve Brewster with Wholesale Inc. Kind of how I, like, literally, like, bumped into him, I guess. You know, got in the wholesale world. But we had a mutual acquaintance that introduced us. Her name was Janet. She was in the auction business. But introduced me to Steve. Uh, I went and interviewed, you know, I guess the retail to wholesale world. You know, the best, like, explanation and real quick is I showed up in a suit, basically. And uh, they were all in cargo shorts and T-shirts. So it was like pretty quick. I realized the wholesale world was a lot different than the retail world. Um, you know, I thought I kind of knew how wholesale worked. And, you know, I've been a used car manager and bought cars and appraised cars. And used cars was actually my background. I and mean, I grew up in used cars. Like, I love used cars. But, um, you know, these guys did wholesale all the time. It was really interesting to me. Um I just didn't even really realize that world existed. You know, somebody that wholesale cars on like a volume level. Um, you know, at that time they were doing 500-ish cars a month, um, which I liked because it's, well, it's still a lot of volume. Um, anyway, I really liked Steve, liked the idea of it. Um, we kind of decided to give it a whirl. My job when I got there was like, um, that was kind of when simulcast and OVE was like just getting started. Sure. Um, Steve smartly was like, hey, this is going to be a thing. Um, you know, you have some sales background. You know, why don't you kind of figure out how we can market and sell to these people all over the country? And eventually, 
you know, you can build a sales team and like we'll have a sales team just like a retail sales team. You know, they'll just market to the dealers instead of consumers. And uh, that's what we did. And it, it, it worked out great. I mean, we kind of grew that over a couple years. Um, you know, eventually, I guess I was like the sales manager and we had a little sales team underneath me. Um, you know, we were repping to the simulcast dealers and OBE and buying cars. Um, and then I guess five, maybe like six years ago now, um, I became the vice president of wholesaling. So I was essentially right underneath Steve, who was a single owner, kind of in charge of like all the day-to-day operations of the company. Um, I guess my kind of big thing pretty early in that was I really wanted to be the number one wholesale company in the world. Um, at the time, Holland's head was number one. He had been number one for, you know, 40 years. Um, you know, Bob is great. Bob is awesome. Like he was super helpful for me through my career. Like I got to talk to him a lot, which was very helpful, but you know, he was the number one guy. I want to be the number one guy. And that was kind of our thing was like, we want to be the number one wholesale company. Um, so we really started working at it and actually, I guess that was Two years ago, we became number one. Um, that was kind of a big deal. Um, then the following year, we got approached by a public company about you know doing a merger purchase type deal. Um, we completed that last October. Um, you know the management, I guess, like upper management, kind of had deals to you know work through the transition and whatnot, kind of as we you know move forward. Um, so I finished mine out um, a couple months ago, um, and now I'm with the Experience Auto Group, and we do like Highline Wholesale mainly. Um, so it's like luxury cars, exotic cars, hundred granders, um, buying, you know, buy for their stores, do a little wholesale in between other dealerships. So um, kind of same goal. Like our thing is, we want to kind of become like the coast to coast you know, number one platform selling dealer, however you want to say it, for luxury wholesale. Sure. Um, so kind of just getting started in that, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really exciting. So um, so, so what's yeah. it like going from, you know, uh, trading a maybe like a $10,000, $13,000 car at the auction to, and you and I have like briefly talked a little bit about this, to like, uh, you know, buying a, a car that's, you know, as much as somebody's house. Yeah, I mean, it's it actually is very different. Um, it's almost just a totally different business. Like, I was telling somebody the other day, like, going to retail to wholesale, you know, it's like a whole nother world. Like, it's there's all these ins and outs and things, like, I just never imagined. Like I said, like, I thought, you know, I go to an auction, I buy cars, like, I praise cars. You're like, oh, I, I know how the wholesale business works. I did not know how the wholesale business works. <laughs> and uh moving from normal cars to you know the highline cars especially when you get north of 100 grand and then like the higher you go it's even more um i kind of got an interest in them and started trying to learn like the last couple years kind of like dipping my toe in and kind of learning here and there um but to go to that full time and try to like really like live in that world all the time um it's very very different mainly just because um, you know, when you're buying cars, like there's a difference, you know, like if you're buying a Dodge Ram, you know, 2,500 or something, you know, colors matter, options matter, certain options are a big thing. Um, but you know, you're still talking about hundreds, maybe 
a thousand or two different. Um, you get into the luxury world, like we do a lot of Ferraris. You know, I mean, we've traded 488s where it's basically the same car, you know, year, miles, even sometimes like similar colors, but the options are different. And there's like one interior option or whatever it is. You know, the car can swing ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Sure. So, um, you know, there's there's not a lot of room for mistakes because the mistakes aren't five hundred dollar misses. They might be five thousand or fifteen thousand. You know, everything is really important. Every single option, every color, the condition, what comes with the car. There's just a lot of nuance to you know exactly what the car is and knowing you know all those things in the market just like in those i mean one thing is the same i mean the market can swing so fast on some of that stuff but it's like the same thing normal car okay the market drops five hundred thousand dollars over a two-week period you know i mean that stinks but you know you can live with it you know some of these big cars they might shift you know 25 50 grand over a couple weeks um you know, so if you're sitting on one, that's a really, really bad deal. So it's uh, it's just different. It's like, you know, whatever you're doing, you have to really be nuanced in like all the parts of it. And that's kind of the highline stuff. Like it's just a lot of learning and trying to kind of get really educated in all the facets, I guess. So, I mean, yeah, no, it's funny that you bring that up about like misses on a car, you know, and I remember when I first got into buying uh, used cars it was like okay so if you buy a suburban and it doesn't have buckets in the back you know like that's a horrible mistake right and um you get into buying that kind of car you know it's a it's a giant mistake especially if you don't know what you're buying and i would well, guess you know most average high-end cars like that that go through the auction there's a reason why it's at the auction versus buying it from somebody you know on the street or the curb or something like that so no i can imagine the learning curve on that is huge yeah, I mean, it's like everything else. Like, it's just a lot of time learning and watching and listening. And I've always been big about, like, I've tried to, you know, meet the people who know those cars and then, like, you know, get to the point where I can ask them a lot of questions and, like, really listen and learn. Um, and that's extremely valuable. But there's there's still plenty to learn. There's definitely a lot of cars and kind of models and makes that, you know, I've got to learn better so I can deal with them more because until you really know, um, you know, there's a lot of expensive mistakes if you just dive in there and try to learn on the fly. So. No, I, I completely agree with you. And anytime I see somebody or anybody that approaches me, that's going to be a, a used car manager or something like that, separate from the high end scale. You know, I tell them like, you know, it's an, a, a dealer willing to give you that chance. It's an expensive experiment for them as well. Um, especially coming into it. If you don't know, I uh, don't know how to buy cars, you know, if it's a learning curve for you, it's a, it's a big learning curve. And with the way the internet works anymore, like uh, there's a lot of great tools for it. But at the same time, like I, I kind of think people buying cars now, if they didn't have a background like yours, um, pre-digital, it, they kind of become really reliant on a lot of tools rather than taking a look at the car and saying, hey, this is the right car. Um, yeah. You know, this is the right color, the right options. I've sold five of these. I know everybody wants them. It, it it's crazy how much a lot of those tools become you become making you so reliant and you almost uh, trust the tool more than you trust, you know, like your instincts or experience with it. Yeah. I mean, I think we, I mean, we used to talk about this all the time. I mean, still do for me in retail stores, 
carbine and wholesale is one of the most, I guess, underappreciated, undertrained sections of a dealership. You know, I mean, dealerships, I mean, they spend bukus of time and money and resources on, you know, training finance and training managers and training sales and marketing and all these things. But especially for the used car operation, like it all starts with buying the car. Like the buying the car is almost the most important thing done at a store. Um, but the, I mean, you have all these stores that they just kind of throw a buyer in there, kind of promote a buyer. And there's no thought to like how good they really are, how to get them better, how to kind of like, you know, and, and there's not a lot of guys that I guess really know it very well. So I guess it's hard to, hard to learn, but um, yeah, like that's a spot that I think a ton of retail stores, like if they really spend a lot of time and energy on their buying and their wholesale, they would find a ton of money because there's definitely opportunities. So. So, so kind of, you know, obviously, so you, you work for your dad, then you went to the, the Chrysler store. So what was it like being new at the Chrysler store? I mean, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were still in college at that point? Yeah, I was working summers starting off. Um, when I would come back, I would work in the summers, and then, you know, I went full-time after that. Um, I mean, it was a typical retail store. I mean, in the, you know, that was early 2000s, I guess. Like, I mean, the car business is maybe cleaned itself up a little bit i guess between now and then but you know i mean it was a typical thing like you know there was a bunch of old guys there that had been there that really didn't like any of the new guys and you know the managers <laughs> you know the managers were tough and hard the owner was tough and hard um you know it was a very competitive area like we worked in this on the strip they called the motor mile you know there's like 30 new car stores within a mile um, so it's hugely competitive, hugely aggressive. Um, you know, I mean, it was in retrospect, like a, it was like weirdly like a great place to learn. Um, but it definitely wasn't some situation where you would be like, oh yeah, that was a great situation for a new person to go in and like really, you know, there was no training, there was no program, there was no much of anything. It was just kind of like, you know, the old joke, like, here's the desk, there's a lot, like, go make us proud, like. You know, I mean, we were, I mean, I called, and I guess they knew I had like a little background, but it's like, you know, I mean, the first day I was there, like I was catching customers and like they hadn't, I mean, I hadn't done anything. I mean, I basically had just been like signed up on the employee paperwork and, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a customer, here's the sales desk, there's finance. So um, it was a totally new world for me. Like, I mean, used cars were fine, but like new cars and rebates and I mean, I didn't have a clue. I mean, I, you know, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was tough, but it was good. Like in retrospect, like I learned a ton doing it that way, kind of just getting thrown in the pool, I guess. And like with a lot of jobs there, it was kind of that way. Like it was just, you know, something would come open and I kind of get slung in there. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you're, I guess, luckily it worked, you know, you can learn a lot that way too, if you just really have to. Like if there's no, you know, no option. And I got lucky, like there was good people in the store that I kind of latched on to that did help me a lot. Um, so that was really valuable. So. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's a really good point that you bring up, you know, sometimes getting put into a situation, having to figure it out. Like if you really don't have another choice, you're going to figure it out. And 
I think, you know, so often, you know, the experience you're talking about starting, I think is very common to what a lot of people have, you know, and I think we've put a ton of work into everywhere trying to make that a better experience, you know? So, um, as an industry, I think we've really put a lot of work into that, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that's a really good point. And I, I, and I think like your story of what it was like to be new, uh, your first experience of it is probably more common than you think, you know? Uh, but so why do you think you succeeded out of that? And so many people probably don't. I mean, I, I did, like I said, I mean, it was, it was in that situation. I did have a lot of people like I could lean on that did help me a lot. Like my dad was really helpful. You know, he grew up in the car business, you know, worked in a new car world, worked in the franchise world. Um, you know, he knew the business very well. It was really helpful, really taught me a ton, you know, really kind of encouraged me and then also kind of hardened me to like, you know, this is just how it is. Like, it's a tough business, like it's aggressive, you know, but still he was always too, like was really good was like, you know, you can still do it the right way, you know and be honest and be all those things like it's just you know it doesn't have to be you don't have to be like that like there's still people in the business that do what you want to do and do it the right way and there was like there was the people in the store you know there was the salesman that had been there a long time that did it the right way that really followed up with his customers and pretty much only dealt with his own people and like he was like the number one guy um, you know, and had great reviews and everything else. And there was, you know, two other really good salesmen in the store that just burned through a bunch of ups and just kind of, you know, pushed everybody around and kind of dominated everything. But it's like, I kind of latched onto that salesman. You know, we had a really good GSM early on when I was there um, that I learned a ton from. We had a good finance manager that was kind of a younger guy like me that I learned a ton from. Um, I just really latched on to those guys and really tried to learn. And I really did want to do it. Like I was really motivated. I mean, my main goal was, I mean, I wanted to be like, you know, to me, like working the desk was like the thing or running the store. Like it was very funny. But like I wanted to run the biggest store in the area. Like that was kind of my goal. Like it was something I really wanted to do. So I was motivated to get there. And I think I just really didn't have a lot. I mean, I was always worried about it going wrong, but it was just, you know, I was more dedicated, I guess, to getting it right that I, you know, just kind of, you know, always tried to find a way to sort it out, I guess. So. For sure. No, I mean, I think that's super interesting. And then, so you transitioned into a really big Toyota store. Um, coming from that store that you came from, and then uh, to my understanding, that Toyota store was probably one of the biggest in the market, if not the biggest. Um what was that like? Because, I mean, I don't know how many cars you sold at your other store, meaning as a store. And then you go to a store, you know, it's just a, a beast of a store selling that many cars. Um, I can imagine, you know, separate from the hours, like just the experience, the learning curve, dealing with, you know, probably a store that's dramatically busier than the one you came from. I'm sure that was an interesting experience as well. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot different. I mean, when I got the Chrysler, we were doing, I want to say like, 50 to 75 newer used um it was a good store by the time we left i mean it was we were probably doing 150 to 200 by the time i left which was which is good i mean we were number one in our area you know for chrysler g died that was a lot sure um but you know you go to we went out to toyota i mean we would do 300 plus pretty much all the time 400 plus a lot 
Um, I mean, I'm sure we hit 500 a couple times in like big months. And then, you know, even on that same block, there was a used car lot that did a couple hundred, you know, I don't know, 200, a GMC store that did 50, 60. So the block itself was doing, you know, five, six, 700 cars sometimes. It was, it was a busy spot. It was, you know, it was a lot of, you know, getting thrown in there was definitely like a big trial by fire, you know, I guess situation because. The expectation in that store, for like the position I was in, was you were supposed to touch, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the deals, basically. So, like, it was kind of my expectation to sign off and close, you know, 200 ish, 250 deals a month, like on the on the low side. Um, I mean, and that's a lot, you know, that's a lot of deals to like touch and close and um but you know on well, and to remember the deal and remember the salesperson you know what's going on with every deal and you know it's just a lot to be a part of ordering the cars there was like a huge ordeal like i've never done toyota does allocations where you have to like go in this or back then i, mean, I don't know what they do now but sure. you had to go in the system and set up all these preferences and like allocation was a huge deal because inventory was hard to get with toyota right then so it's like i would spend just hours and hours on these like allocations like trying to get them exactly the right way. Um, but it, it was fun. I mean, I, I loved it there. I mean, it was, I joke, like I was there, I don't know, almost three years. It kind of feels like 30 years, I guess, in a way. Like, it was like <laughs> But it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of action. Like, to, you know, to come in on a Saturday, you know, just know you're going to sell 50 cars or what, you know, like it's fun. Like, you know, it was a high energy, a lot of activity, you know, we got to sell a ton of cars. So that part was great. I mean, I always love that part of retail. Like I love the activity and the customers and the salespeople and like just watching everybody, you know, get together on deals. That was, uh, that was fun. Well, and just the energy, right? So if you're in a store that's that busy, there's just a ton of really good energy going on. There's a lot of things happening and there's probably hardly a lot of downtime, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, Uh, there was definitely no downtime there. Like I don't really remember ever going to lunch that I could, <laughs> maybe like maybe like one time or something i don't know you know but it was so, busy all the time so so you go from that we talk about them being open on sundays uh which which i agree like i mean you know it's it's important to have that boundary and, and know uh know what you know you're willing to work and what you're not and uh so then you go to the wholesale world and and truthfully like for me getting to watch you know just from the outside uh I always look at you as like an expert when it comes to a used car, you know, like I'm like, if there's somebody that's going to know what this car is worth, Chad's going to be the guy that knows what it's worth. And, um, how do you think you went from, you know, obviously being a GSM, that type of role, working a couple, uh, different franchise stores, getting into the wholesale business. What do you think took you from, uh, you know, if me, uh, hundreds of, if not a thousand miles away, um, considers you an expert in your field. What do you think changed that for people? You know, because I, I look, I've got other friends and I've had that same conversation about you. So that's that's where I asked the question. At what point in your career did you realize, like, you know what? I probably know more about these cars than most people know about it. And and, and where do you think that kind of that kind of came into picture? I don't I don't know. I mean, I know. I mean, that's how we that's where we wanted to get. Like, you know, when me and Steve would talk about wholesaling, especially when I, you know, when I kind of became like the VP there and it was like more of like long-term 
you know, with the company, like my main thing was I want to be number one. I want to get known. Like I want the brand to mean something, um, you know, and for me it was like, you know, half the work, I don't know. I mean, most of the work is like the day to day of, you know, just actually doing the work, like getting the cars bought, getting them shipped, make sure they run all those things. Um, but then there was like another side to it where, you know, it's like some promotion marketing of like getting your name out there of, you know, this is what we're doing. Like, cause at first we were very regional, like people only knew us in Nashville, you know, then it was kind of in the Southeast. And then it was like, we kind of had to get in these new markets and kind of introduce yourself. And I did some, and then the reps did some, and then through social media. Um, and then eventually, you know, we kind of got the momentum of, you know, hey, these guys are one of the largest in the country. They do know what they're doing. Like, they know how to buy these cars. They know how to sell them. Um, then it was kind of just trying to become, you know, we talked about that. Like, we wanted to become the authority on buying cars and selling cars. Where it's like if you were wholesaling, whether it was buying or selling, you know, if you asked somebody, they knew who Wholesale Inc. was. They knew who we were. They knew what we did. Um, and it's just, you know, getting to do it in it in it. And then it's just, I think, at a point when it's like the numbers, like once people see it and they watch you um, and you do it, like it, it does build your reputation. It's like, OK, like, hell, he must know something of what he's doing. They're selling 25,000 cars a year, <laughs> you know, yeah, and they're doing yeah. it week after week and they're going to these new locations. Um, and I always try to really stay connected, like to the buying Steve was that way too. Like I learned it from Steve, like I would run the company, but I always bought because I thought that was as important to anything was like staying on the market and knowing the cars. And I wanted to know every car. Like I wanted to learn what, you know, a $5,000 car was worth, a $25,000 car was worth, a $100,000 car was worth. Like I just wanted to get to the point where I was like really educated on every car and anything I didn't know like, I kind of tried to seek it out and, like, learn to the point that I do feel pretty comfortable. Like, we could bid any car. Like, we knew what pretty much any car was worth pretty close. And if someone reached out, like, I tried to be accessible. Like, it got really hard the end of my wholesaling tenure because we did get just really big, I guess. But, you know, when people reached out or touched base, I tried to communicate, tried to, you know, if they wanted numbers, I tried to give them. If they wanted you know, opinions or whatever, like I tried to help. And I think just kind of that whole combo, um, you know, has been helpful. And like, I do feel like, like with us or like myself, like, I don't know, like, I don't know who's like, I wouldn't say I'm like the best at it, but I do feel like I've like put in the work and learned and like, I am pretty educated on like what cars are worth and what the market is and like how it all works. So, um, you know, if somebody calls to get an opinion or want the bid or whatever like nobody's the best all the time but i try to be you know easy and fair and you know kind of give them a good opinion and you know most of the time i think it's pretty close so well i mean that's certainly a, a humble way of saying it but uh to anybody that's followed uh, your progression of your career i mean i, I think most of us would agree that you know uh, i've used an expert in the field and like and I've reached out to you on many occasions. And, and, and one thing that I, I will say that was always, you know, part of the reason why I wanted you on the show, too, was like, you know, anytime I ever asked for help, you were always super supportive of it. And like, 
uh, I think that goes a long way in any industry, and and for that is something I always appreciate. So. Um, yeah, I mean, and I kind of got that, I guess. Like, our owner was always like Steve was always great with like me and other employees. Like when I was a young employee, and then like the other one that was really helpful to me was like when I got to talk to Bob, like at Holland's Head when I was younger, um, with Wholesale Inc. Like, you know, he used to, you know, when he was like the biggest guy in the industry. You know, and I just kind of like cold, I kind of like cold called him one day, basically, you know, he threw his phone number out there in one of his like blogs or something and just kind of introduced myself. And, um, you know, we got to where we talked quite a bit, like we would, you know, talk on the weekends or he would email me and uh, for several years until, um, you know, I got a little bit busier and he got a little busier with technology. Like he was so helpful, like so open, like really gave me a ton of information. So it was kind of something like I held like, okay, like going down the road, like if I get a chance to do this, like I'm going to try. And I can't, I mean, I'm sometimes not the best about answering the phone or responding or whatever. Like I definitely don't get all, but I really do try. Like if someone has some sort of question or something and I can try to help, like it just feels like the right thing. Cause a lot of people really did help me for sure. And I'm greatly appreciative of that. So. What, do you, what do you think? You, know, you mentioned a point uh, about reaching out to, uh, to Bob and, and it was basically like a cold call, you know, and what do you think? Like, so how do you look at that? You know, it seems like a lot of people, it, including myself, like if, if there's somebody that's got the answer, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to do everything I can to get in touch with them and try and get, you know, help. Right. Um, so how did, is that the only time in your career you've done that? Or you just felt like in that particular case, he was, you know, an expert that, that could help you. No, I mean, I've done that a lot, whether it's been with, you know, someone like him with wholesale, um, certain employees with Mannheim, certain dealers, you know, certain people in like the Highline world that, you know, anyone I kind of saw that I thought, okay, this person is like really knowledgeable or important in this field. Like I want to try to get to know this person. And I'm not saying like I stalked them, but maybe a little bit like <laughs> sure. you, you just kind of like I would watch what they were doing and like watch where they were at. And like some of it's just like learning from them just by watching like the things they say or what they do or, you know, some of those things. And then it was like I would try to reach out, you know, whether it was messaging them or emailing or calling them. And um, I was always pretty straightforward about it, just kind of this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, you know, as far as I can tell, like, you're pretty much the best at what you do, like, in this particular area, and, like, I just want to, you know, anytime we can chat or whatever, like, I would love the opportunity, if for some reason there's something I can do to help you, like, I'll gladly do that, too, but, um, and what I found overall is people are pretty receptive to it, like, they really do, a lot of times want to share their knowledge or want to help somebody. Um, and surprisingly, it's just like a lot of people don't ask, I guess, or maybe. Maybe um, they're afraid too, you know. You know, Maybe, I guess. But yeah, I mean, most people are open. Like I've definitely been ignored and shot down. And there's definitely some people I'm still like kind of trying to get around to that I probably will never get to talk to. But um, I always try and kind of try to follow up with them. And um, for the most part, uh people have been great and like i've learned a ton like i've been lucky like the guys i've worked for have been super open with information i mean and i was good about that too i guess i'll say like when i worked for people like the people in the store the owners 
the people I thought were the best, like I was like in those people's space trying to get to know them and like ask questions and like, Hey, what would you do here? And what about this? And what do you think about this? And it was extremely valuable. I mean, that's, you know, there's no doubt, like whatever success I've had, like a ton of it is just, you know, I got around a lot of the right people and got to ask them a bunch of questions. And like, they were really good about answering those questions. So I got to learn from them. Well, think about probably how much time that saved you, right? Going to the right people that probably could give you an answer versus trying to do trial by error on everything. You know, it certainly probably helped having some of some of having those guidance because I say the same thing all the time. You know, like even when I was talking about launching the show, I reached out to four people that I knew were probably the right people that could at least get me in the right direction. And it, it saved me a ton of time. Yeah, and and it's a lot, and ton of it is too. Just ignoring the other people. I guess one thing I've been pretty fortunate about is like I'm a pretty positive, like you know, upbeat personality. I guess, and I really don't have a lot of time or tolerance for like negativity or kind of that side in the car business, especially. There's a ton of that, you know. You throw out opinions or I want to do this or whatever. There's 400 people that want to tell you all the reasons it can't work or you shouldn't do it. Or, you know, and like I really just did not care. Like I couldn't have cared less about, you know, all I needed was like that one person tell me there was like a glimmer of hope. Um, you know, I know like even, you know, Steve tells the same story. Like when I told him I want to be like the number one wholesale company, it was like the first time he was kind of like, ah. I don't know, like maybe number two, like number one's pretty far ahead. Like that would be okay, you know, but we might could do it. And like, that was like the only window I needed to be like, yeah, like we can get in there. So, um, you know, especially like for the new people in the business or try like, don't, I mean, there's a ton of negative people, like said, especially in the car business, the car business is horrible about it. Like there's people that, you know, they want to tell you all the reasons and all this and all that. When you really look at those people, they're the ones that have been in the same spot for the whole, for a long time. And it's like, that's what's held them down a little bit. So what do you, what do you, what do you think it is? Like they just, you know, can't get through it themselves or, you know, they can't think big enough. I mean, obviously when you, when you make a goal like that to be the number one wholesale uh, company that I would say most of your competitors probably never even had that thought process. You know, and if they did, they weren't willing to work hard enough to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's just you're going to have, I think what holds people back is like the failure part of it. Sure. Like you're going to have, you're going to fail a million times. You're going to have a million roadblocks. I mean, we used to laugh all the time, like especially with wholesale. It's like, you know, I mean, like a good example, like when we were in Nashville, we wanted to go to a second lane in Nashville. I mean, I bet I literally asked over 200 times. Like, it was just a constant barrage of, like, we want another lane, no, we want another lane, no, we want to, what do we have to do, you know, like, it's just keep, like, and I'm sure a ton of people would have just been, like, all right, we're not doing that, like, let's move on to plan B, but it's, like, (laughs) anything we really wanted to do, or, like, anything I really wanted to do, like, I just kind of kept plugging, like, kept pushing, and stuff goes wrong, and, like, you know, you have a million, like I said, especially in the car. I mean, I don't know. I'm in the car business. Maybe it's every business, I'm sure. But there's so many things that go wrong. There's so many headaches. There's so much brain damage. Like, it's really easy to just get caught up in that all the time and kind of get, like, held back. But it's like, whatever you want to do, 
if you're just like a hundred percent like relentless about like I believe in this, this is what I can we, I think we can do. Um, you know, and you got to get your people balled in around you. Like, you know, you need people supporting you. I was always lucky with that. Like, if I was just by myself, it would have never worked. But I had good bosses. I had good employees. Like, I had good people surround me that, like, bought in. And, you know, like, my, my recent, you know, bias is wholesaling because I was there recently. But, you know, I mean, we had so many awesome employees that really dug in and were the same way. Like, I mean, our kind of internal joke was, like, whatever it is, we'll get it done. Like whatever the crazy thing we're trying to pull off, like we always just got it done and no one really took the mindset of like, Oh, we can't do this or whatever. Like it was just immediately like, okay, let's get it done. How do we get it done? And, um, I think that's the difference. Like it's just being really determined and disciplined to stay at it. And it's going to take some time and you're going to have, detractors and problems and you know whatever but if you just stay at it i think most of the time it'll you know something good will come of it maybe not exactly what you thought i mean we certainly set out to do a ton of stuff that turned out different than we thought but something came out of it we learned something we changed something so 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 looking back you know i mean obviously now from where you're at now which you know, is dramatically different than where you started your career. If you could give yourself a couple pieces of advice, like what would you say? Hey, if I would have known these two things, it would have saved me a ton, maybe time, money, whatever the deal is, or maybe a ton of headache, right? Um, if you could look back and, you know, envision yourself as new again, what would you tell yourself? Um, I think I would have probably told myself to like reach out to more like mentor types earlier. Um, and some of the people like that I had earlier, like I would have probably like dug into them like a little harder. Um, you know, the more I got older, like I kind of reached out more and then I kind of held on a little bit. And um, probably other than that, you know, just kind of like find those people that are really good in the field. And then when you can talk to those people, like really latch on to them. You know, don't get bogged down with, like, the day-to-day -day nonsense. Like, the times in my career I've, like, been disappointed in myself was, like, you know, I look up and, like, in six months I haven't really done anything. Sure. You know, and it's, like, you know, the day-to-day the -day work is always there. Like, it's, like, the longer-term stuff is what you got to be disciplined to do. Like, you know, what do you want to do in three months, six months, a year, five years? Like, and what do I have to spend time on every day? to make that happen, kind of like the investment type stuff. I would have done more of that. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's there's obviously things like to change and do differently. Um, I was always really loose with, you know, sometimes with like, you know, I don't know. I was maybe like a little too loose on a few things with like, some agreements and things like that like now where i'm a little more i don't know i mean i would tell guys like you know if you have some deal with you know your job or your employers or whatever like you know yeah you need to get that kind of buttoned up and make sure you know exactly how it is but um on the whole it's you know just really find the people that know what they're doing spend as much time you can with them you know, really work on the long-term stuff, your long-term goals, 
if not, you'll look up and in five years, you'll be in the exact same place. You'll be like, oh, crap, like I wanted to do this job. But, you know, that day to day stuff is always there. There's always some problem. There's always some whatever. So, you know, they're never going away. Now, it's just kind of almost how you deal with them, right? Yeah. And kind of, you know, learn to push them off on somebody. You know, I mean, if they're if you're just dealing with the exact same problem all the time, find a better way to deal with it. You know, and sometimes it's like employees. Like if you're dealing with some employee on the exact same thing all the time, like they need to learn to handle it or you got to do something with the employee. Like your time is valuable. You know, the employees are valuable for sure. Like I'm overly pro employee, but sometimes it's worse spending that extra time and saying, okay, you come in here to the tower every single time with the exact same problem how can we spend 15 minutes so you never do this again or whatever it is, you know, and that's, um, you know, or whatever the little situation is. Like, I think that's helpful. No, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. So, so what's next for you? I mean, obviously you're now into buying luxury cars full time is what it sounds like. Um, you know, obviously you left, you left a big organization and then, uh, you know, through that transition and then now you're, you're buying cars. And I mean, so, so what's the best version of you next? You know, what do you think that you uh, you keep doing what you're doing or do you have plans to grow in a different way? I'm just curious more than anything. Yeah, I mean, my, um, you know, when we grew when we grew wholesale, like we talked about, you know, we wanted to be the biggest and the best in that segment. And we kind of got there and then we had the buyout and the merger and, you know, just kind of got to a point. It was time to do something else. And like the next thing. You know, I really had my eye on was, you know, kind of the, you know, the more luxury high end cars, just because that had become a real interest of mine um, for two reasons. Like one's a personal level. I just like cars. Like I really am a car guy. Um, you know, a lot of the guys in the business aren't or girls, which is fine. You don't have to be. That's um, the reason that got me into the business, too. You so. know, I, I mean, our owner, Wholesale Inc., like we used to laugh, like Steve Brewster, like he could give two hoots about a car. Like it was just money. Like it was not like, you know, we could have a, you know, $40,000 Tahoe sitting next to a $200,000 G wagon. Like he's probably getting in the Tahoe, like, <laughs> you know, which is fine. Like whatever works, but like, sure. I really do like the cars. Like I like buying them and being around them. And like, I just really, you know, kind of wanted to explore that space. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. It's like, you know, one of the reasons too, like I think there is a big opportunity to like grow a luxury kind of wholesale type platform because it's a tough space. Like it's tough for people to operate in there. So, I mean, my main thing now is, you know, I want to get educated and known in that world, kind of like I was in the normal car world. Sure. Where, you know, a year from now, I want some, you know, I want the guys that are, you know, doing the Lamborghini or Ferrari podcast or whatever to call and be like, hey, you know, you're the, you're one of the, you know, sources of knowledge on these cars or, you know, people call for buying, whatever it is. Like, yeah, that's kind of the next thing, you know, I'm kind of after. So um, it's different, you know, it's, it's weird, like kind of, it's like a little transition slash starting over. Um, not really. So there's a lot that comes with that. Like it's some days it's kind of frustrating. Most days it's really exciting, but, um, 
you know, that part's cool. Like, I like to start things and build things and help people and employees and things like that. So growth is a really fun thing for me. So that part's exciting. I've, I've, you know, I've noticed the same thing with myself. Uh, I, I really love starting things, building teams. Um, that's where I'm, you know, at my happiest, you know, so um, I, I can completely understand uh, that side of it. Well, like I said, I won't take up too much more of your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, you, you being on the show is a really big deal to me, and I really hope there's some people that listen to it. They hear a little bit more about your story, and it gives them a different way to maybe look at what they've got going on or maybe a different way to look at their career, think outside the box, and kind of find a different way to be successful at it because – um, like I said, you've been a, an influence in what I look at. I, I love watching your posts every week of all the cool Ferraris and uh, stuff that gets me excited about it. I'm like, oh man, there's another one. Uh, <laughs> so, so for that, I love it. And uh, I, like I said, man, I just really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate. It. Same to you. Like I've, uh, you know, I've got to watch you. Um, you know, I guess the first time I saw you was I was, you know, I was buying and selling some cars out of a store you were working at. So it's like naturally a lot of times like I would get kind of, you know, I guess where I would like follow those people on social media kind of based out of those stores. And like you were I think you were selling cars back then. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I've got to watch you kind of come up and become a manager and then kind of become more of an influencer and, you know, throw yourself out there on social media a little more. And then I see you out there with some of the big players. So uh i mean you're doing awesome it's really uh it's really cool to say see like i really love watching people in any business like just kind of throw themselves out there and like really try and you can tell like like on this podcast like it's awesome like i'm sure you'll get a ton of good content and a ton of good people and uh you know it's uh it's awesome man so just uh keep on rolling and certainly yeah if i can ever help with anything call me text me message me you you know you know how to find me so. that's true man thanks so much have a great day and uh keep buying some cool cars i like seeing them yes sir have a good one <laughs>